Hello again, ladies and gentlemen. Ghost Nobody here, ready to bring you Chapter 19 of Hunter Hunted Hybrid Wars, my third instalment in the Clan Mason series. Always, if you can like, share, and subscribe to this wherever you can, and leave feedback at sites like fanfiction.net, archiveofourown.org, or even at my own website, ghostnobody.com. All of your thoughts and feelings are always appreciated, and I always love reading what you guys have thought, and what you're thinking, and the directions you want me to go in. And if you do pop over to ghostnobody.com, why don't you check out Stormrider while you're there? My original story told on that one site and that one site only. And you know, if big girly dragon-esque girls, orcs, elves, magical realms, multiple worlds and undead are your thing, check it out, I'm pretty sure you'll enjoy it. And also while you're there, why don't you check out the ghostly link section. Pick yourself up a copy of Mortis from either Smashwords or from Amazon. Help support me and keep me doing what I love. Bringing unlikely alien romance stories to you, good people. So, without any further ado, let's get on with the show, shall we? Oh, but first the usual legal disclaimer. I don't own AVP or anything to do with it. This is all fan fiction. I'm just here to keep the Huntresses happy. Let's get on with the show. Chapter 19. Language Barriers. Smoke's shoulders felt like they were on fire. He'd been hanging from his wrist for what must have felt like hours before this little interrogation session had even begun. While he was unconscious from the blow to the head via a rifle butt, one of the Raptorians had delivered up to him upon seeing a chance when he'd removed his helmet. The painkillers that his suit had shot him with were now starting to wear off, which had started at a dull ache at first, but had steadily gotten worse as time had passed on. His whole head was pulsing in time with the beating of his heart and it got worse with every passing hour. Ever since the little group of translator Raptorians had come into the cell that they were holding in, in they had a long discussion with the command group while the group captured him looked on, their attention switching constantly between them and him. Once the high-speed conversation was done, the translator group had moved towards him and surrounded him in a circle which, despite this small stature, was actually somewhat intimidating. Unlike the other two groups present, the translators all seemed to be the same colour, and to have the same pattern. They were also a little smaller than the others, which, given how small they were already, made them surprisingly obvious. They were all bright green with yellow swirls, almost like tiger stripes all over them. They looked like someone had painted them in some kind of light-coloured camo paint. He also noticed that, unlike the others, their scales were not overlapping like natural armour. They seemed to be all interlocking like fine mosaics. Their scales all seemed, seemed to have been buffed and polished, so that when they stepped under the ring of the light from above them, they seemed to shine. It was honestly like they were glowing, and if his visor's light filter hadn't been there, it would have made them difficult to look at. He also noticed they were absolutely covered in what looked like jewellery and charms. They had necklaces around their slender necks, what looks like circlets and small tiaras on their small domed heads nestled between their thicker feathers, which unlike the others were a rainbow of colours. In fact, each and every feather seemed to be all colours all at once, and they were changing and shifting constantly as they moved under the light. Their feathers were so light and fluffy, almost looked like they had no mass. And that's when Smoke realised that the feathers didn't actually have a colour of their own. They seemed they worked like prisms. They split the light that passed through them, giving them the appearance of rainbows. And that's why they seemed to shift in colour as they moved under the lights. They also seemed to have various shades of what appeared to be dark eyeliner around their huge eyes, which looked almost bright silver in colour, making them appear almost ethereal in their brightness. Smoke tried to focus directly on the one in front of him. She was about three and a half feet tall, slender, with powerful-looking legs. She didn't seem to have a uniform like the others. They were wearing billowy, flowing tops, and some kind of skirt, maybe? Their tails were also longer than the others, and seemed to be decorated with little charms attached to the tips. It reminded him of ball-like bells that jingled musically as they moved. The little creature looked up at him curiously. Can you understand me? The Raptorian said in a soft, almost musical voice, in perfect serpentinus. Yes, I can understand you, Smoke replied, and the little Raptorian cocked its head and blinked. 
They have brought us here to talk to you, another of the group said from directly behind him. Who are you? one on his right asked. What are you? the one on his left asked. Why are you here? another on his rear asked. How many of you are there? one behind him asked. Whoa, 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 slow down, it's too many questions all at once. Smoke exclaimed loud enough to make the little Torians jump in surprise. He also saw the other group that had caught him almost twitch defensively as well as the command group too. So who are you? The little Raptorian directly in front of him asked in a now surprisingly nervous voice, like it expected him to burst loose and start murdering them all on a whim. My people call me Smoke. I'm a full-blooded hunter of Clan Mason. I'm a human being, Smoke said in a calm, controlled voice. Instantly the command group began chittering, obviously asking the translators what they were saying, and they chittered back, answering them. They went back and forth for a few moments before one directly behind him out of sight spoke up. Human, you said. What is that? It asked in an equally soft voice as the first one. It's my species. Smoke said, and one of the others chittered away, obviously translating what he was saying as he was saying it. One of the command group responded, obviously setting up another question. You said you were a full-blooded hunter. Are you here to hunt us? One behind him on the left now asked, his voice sounding rather nervous now. No, it's my rank in Clan Mason, he replied, and another of them translated what he was saying. So you are military then? A soldier? One on his right asked. Yes, Smoke said, and this caused a lot of aggressive chittering as he, what he said was translated. Why are the Scalathor and Draconis here? What do they want? The one to his left asked. They are working for some kind of dark deity that calls itself the Dark Seed. Look, I don't pretend to be an expert on this kind of stuff. I'm just an electronics warfare expert. I do computers and comms. One of our seekers would probably be better to explain all that to you. But all I know is they tried to kill the Serpentinus Royal Pack and we stopped them. Now they've come after you. I think they're trying to cut the great tree off from all of its children. But that's just my opinion. All I know is we came here to help you, not to fight you. The Serpentina sent you your distress call after, after you sent it out. And we responded, Smoke said, as the one in front of him chittered away and now all hell broke loose among the command group. In fact, stirred them up so much that they marched forward into the light and stood next to a translator each so they could begin firing questions of him. What do you know of the Great Tree? One asked. What are their plans? Another asked. What are their numbers? Another asked. How are they planning to breach the underground? Yet another asked. Whoa, we're not working with them. We're here to fight them, not help them. Smoke yelled as he realised what they were fully implying here. Suddenly one rushed forward. He recognised her as the commander who went to strike him before after he dropped his mask. When she shocked herself on the switch. She grabbed the jaw of his mask and yanked his head so he was forced to look at her. We don't believe you. She yelled, but the translator spoke softly. But Smoke recognised Andrew chittering when he heard it. If I planned to kill you, then I would have shot your soldiers when I had the chance. Ask them. Ask them how I had every single one of them at gun and blade point. But I didn't shoot them. So if my plan was to kill you, I'm either really not really good at my job, or there's another reason at work, isn't there? Smoke said defiantly. This little revelation seemed to make them pause, and the command group turned and spoke to the other group that had captured him. They seemed to be confirming what he had said, but their sudden shift in body language seemed to make the command group real curious, and the one who tried to strike him before marched back up to him again and stood next to her translator. She began chittering away. Why should we believe you? she asked. This kind of stumped smoke, honestly. Fair point, really. How exactly was he going to prove what he was saying to them? There's absolutely no reason to trust him, and right now their planet was completely under invasion by two species trying to kill them. As far as they were concerned, he was no different, really. Possibly the only real reason he was still alive right now is the fact that they didn't know what he was, and they were curious as to why a species they'd never seen before was also here. But as far as they were concerned, he really was no different from the Scalathor or Draconis. 
There are currently 20 Scalathorn Draconis cruisers and frigates orbiting your planet. Your orbital defences are destroyed, as is your fleet. They've dropped forward operating bases into your jungle and are possibly other areas. They have tanks, heavy weapons and what appears to be artillery. They're jamming communications planet-wide to make it impossible for them to communicate. And that's my job. The regional jamming is coming from the FOB that your team fired mortars and rockets at. So far, that's all I know. Smoke said and the commander in front of him broke a hard gaze as the translator repeated his word in their language. These things we already know, the commander behind him said. How many of you are on our planet? This one was to his left asked. Forty-eight, split into four teams of twelve. Four seekers, four hunters, four battle angels per team. And before you ask, I have no idea where my team are. I crashed. A piece of debris that was raining down in our drop zone hit my wingsuit and destroyed my wings. So I had to bail out. Cannot contact them while the jamming's in place. The same as I'm guessing you cannot contact your failed teams and recon teams. Look, I don't know how to make you believe this. And I know I can't make you trust me. But we're not your enemy. We're here to help you. So either let me or lock me in a fucking cell already, because there's nothing more I can tell you. Smoke said. What are these seekers and battle angels of which you speak? The one to his right asked. Seekers are clan masons dream warriors, and battle angels are field surgeons and medics, Smoke replied. How come you can speak Serpentinus? One of them behind him asked immediately. I can't. Well, I can understand it and write it, but I can't really speak it. But my suit can. It's fitted with a universal translator system. Our seekers learned the Serpentinus language when we met them. Don't ask me to explain how they're a fucking mystery even to me. All I know is you don't fuck with a dream warrior. It's being like being, if you like being alive or sane or, you know, both. But they programmed the language into our suits when we got back to our home world. But they also put it in all of our heads so we'd be able to communicate with the Serpentinus and Ghost Slitherers we took back with us for training at the temple, Smoke said, and suddenly all of them froze. What do you know of the Ghost Slitherers? One of them asked very quickly. Not much. More a seeker thing. But I know they're Serpentinus dream warriors, and they're very powerful, but untrained. Our dream warriors are currently training them so they can return home and protect their people. As ours protect us, Smoke said. There was a lot of excited chittering and what sounded like some arguing going on. And then one of them turned. Remove your armour, we wish to study it, she said. And Smoke turned to try, try to turn his head to see who spoke. No, he said flatly. You were in no position to argue with us. Tell us how to remove the suit. You were asking us to trust you and then help us to trust you, she replied as flatly as he did. Smoke suddenly realised it was a tactic. It was a loyalty test. No, I will not betray my people. We came here to help you fight the Scalathor and the Draconis, but I'm not giving you our technology. That's for either our Grand Patriarch or Matriarch to decide upon. It's useless to you anyway because it's designed to not be usable by anyone except one person. Can't use my guns or my blades, but I can. Besides, you can't reverse engineer it either, because if you try, it'll simply self-destruct. And I won't help you to figure out how to bypass it, even if I could. We came here to help you, but if you'd rather reject our help, so be it. Let me go, and I'll take that news to my people, if I can find them, he said. We could torture you, you know, the one on his right said. You could, but then you'd definitely make an enemy of Clan Mason. We don't take things like that lightly. Hurt one of us, and you hurt all of us. And for someone who's facing already two united enemies, making a third of someone trying to be your friend doesn't smart li sound like a very smart move to me, he replied. If you are what you say you are, then you are just one soldier. The loss of one soldier would not impact a decision like that, the one directly in front of him said, her eyes narrowing as she said it. Then you do not understand Clan Mason. For us there is no such thing as... No one of consequence, 
every member of the clan stands for every other member, unified as one. To hurt one is to hurt us all. To kill one earns you the vengeance of all. Kill me if you must, but be prepared for the consequences, because the moment one of our soul knights finds out what you did, and trust me, they will, they will not ignore it. You think you're fucked now? Wait till they come for you. So now the choice is yours, friend or enemy. But from where I'm sitting, or hanging, seems to me you guys could really use a friend right now. Otherwise, why call the Serpentinus for aid? You called, and we came. Look, I don't blame you for being suspicious of us. We're strangers to you. But the end, the end of the day isn't the enemy of my enemy, my friend, Smoke said. Over the next three hours, they proceeded to ask him the same questions about a hundred different ways. But again and again and again, Smoke gave him the same answer. Eventually, though, they left him alone so they could deliberate. All Smoke could think of was right now was the pain in his back and his shoulders and his hips. Pretty much everything hurt. It felt like he was on fire. Suddenly, his suit decided to speak up. Translation complete. Current translation level, basic. But database will continue to expand as you encounter more language and complexity grows, it said. Oh great, so now I can speak Raptorian. Not that it's going to do me much good, it's probably going to leave me in here till my arms pop out of the fucking sockets, he said bitterly to himself. Suddenly there was a series of clanks that sounded like bolts being undone, and the door to the large chamber opened. All of them filed back in, including the group that had captured him. Once again, the translator surrounded him in a circle and the commander stood next to each of them once again. I'm beginning to think that you may be telling the truth. Our scouts are reporting to us that a covert group is attacking and harassing the Scalathorn Draconis. And we may believe that it might be the work of your people. As our people cannot explain what they are seeing. And we're hoping that you might be able to shed some light on this. And the commander directly in front of him asked, By all means, release me from these restraints and I'd be happy to answer your questions. But right now I'm in a lot of pain, I'm hungry and very thirsty. And from where I come from, we have rules for the treatment of prisoners of war. He said in the best Raptorian that his suit could manage, which surprised all of them. The translators looked at their commanders for guidance and the commanders looked at the captured group, who stunned. You have learned our language in such a short time that you've been here? The one behind him asked, the surprise in her voice evident. Not me, my universal translator. Honestly, I wouldn't have a hope in hell of producing any of these sounds. They're way too complex for my larynx, Smoke said. Larynx? What's a larynx? The commander to his right asked. The organ my species uses to communicate. Now, do you want my help or not? Smoke asked as confidently as he could, but inside the pain and underlying fear were making his heart and body shake. There were shared a lot of glances among themselves, but finally the commander directly in front of him spoke again. What guarantees do we have that you won't betray or attack us the moments the bonds are off? If I was going to attack you, I would have already done it when I had the chance back in the jungle. I most certainly wouldn't lower my helmet and give one of your soldiers the chance to break my fucking nose and cheekbone now, would I? Smoke said angrily as the pain and fatigue reared its head and shorted its temper and stirred his ire. More of them shared glances again. Release her, but I want all weapons trained on her until we're sure she won't attack. The commander directly in front of him said, and one of the capture groupers seemed to be acting as a set of guards now stepped forward and unlocked first his ankle restraints, freeing his feet. And another man hooked a chain from behind him somewhere and his arms fell forward with enough force to make him glad he was wearing his armour, because he had no feeling in them, and the rectangular block holding his wrist slammed into his crotch, and also removed the support holding him upright, which caused him to drop down straight to his knees. Another guard came forward with two very large ornate keys that she placed into either side of the block and unlocked it, freeing his hands. Uh, thanks. This might just be a translator glitch, but did you call me she? Smoke asked him as he tried in vain to wiggle his fingers. Yes, so, the commander said as all of them retreated to what they felt was a safe distance away from him. 
They all noticed that they were now all holding weapons too. Oh, nothing. Just checking. Wrong gender is all. Smoke said, trying to shake some life back into his arms, which were like two pool noodles attached to his shoulders now. The commander snorted and one of the few others laughed around him. You honestly expect us to believe that your kind would allow a male to go into battle? One of them to his right said, and he desperately tried to feel through the feeling of hot stabbing needles of pain shooting up and down his arms as blood started to rush back in. Half our ground force is male, myself included, and I don't exactly like the implications or aspersions you're casting on my gender here, Smoke said, trying to get to his feet and failing, as his legs were in no better shape than his arms were. In fact, his whole body was not doing so well, and he suddenly realised why stress positions were so bloody effective. The explosion of chittering that filled the chamber was so fast and aggressive that his translator simply couldn't keep up. An explosion of error messages began flashing up in his HUD. They were all arguing about something. Well, all except for the translators. They just seemed to be watching with their heads bowed in from an area they'd chosen to stand in in such a close group. Eventually, one of the commanders broke from the group and marched right up to him. Due to the fact he was stuck on his knees as both his legs didn't work and his arms were currently much use as wet noodles, she stood over him. Prove it she said in a commanding voice, and Smoke lifted his head to look at her questioningly. Prove what? he asked. That you are male. Prove to us that you are male, she exclaimed, her voice sounding exasperated and almost worried. This took Smoke aback, and he looked at her questioningly, finding himself looking into a pair of bright red eyes, which, given that the white scales were all around them, made them glow. Excuse me? He said, his voice waving at the implications of what she'd asked him, began to rampage around in his head. She immediately turned to her comrades. See, what did I tell you? She was faking it so we'd take pity on her. Nothing more. She must somehow know our laws and is using her alien stasis to confuse us. Nothing more. What's more, I told you she was lying. I do not know what she wants here, but it is not to be our ally. We should bind her and take her equipment from her. White-skilled commander said triumphantly. A white flash of white-hot anger pulsed through the back of Smoke's mind. Hey, I'm not lying, he yelled, and the white-skilled commander spun around got right into his face, this time so close. He could not only see the overlapping scales on her snout, but the sharp, pointy little teeth that filled her mouth. Hell, it looked from here like she had two or more rows of them, like a shark or something. Her bright red eyes were boring into him and her nostrils flared, invisible anger sending a rush of fog over his visor eyepieces. Then prove it, liar! She snarled and Smoke felt a rush of blood to his face as embarrassment hit him again. Let me get this straight. You want me to humiliate myself in front of all of you just to prove to you that I'm not female? He exclaimed and now she looked confused. Humiliate yourself? What are you talking about? She demanded. Well, for my money, there's only one way that I can prove to you that I am male, and that involves public nudity in front of a bunch of complete strangers just to prove what reproductive organs I have. And I can tell you now, lady, that's not going to fucking happen, Smoke said, trying to sound brave, but his voice was wavering badly. The commander looked completely confused now. What are you talking about? There's no way we would force a male to publicly disrobe and humiliate themselves. What kind of animal are you for thinking in such a thing? She exclaimed with a very audible anger in her voice at the implication, which totally confused Smoke. Then how? He began, but she pointed at his throat. The apple. Show us your apple. Everyone knows that the only males get to carry the apple of the great tree. It's a gift of the great tree yourself. That, combined with your pheromonal scent, will reveal the truth of what you are. She said, and that's when he noticed everyone seemed to be glancing at the translators. And that's when he saw it. A rather prominent Abram's apple right at the centre of their throat, that jewellery around it, kind of highlighting it. And he felt like a bit of an idiot now. Oh, all right. Oh, yeah, goddess, that's a relief. Sure, I can do that. He said, making the commander's face freeze up like a computer stuck in a boot loop. What? What? She explained in confusion. Shit, I can't tell you how relieved I am. Pyra thought you wanted me to get fucking naked for a moment, there. Eh? Huh. 
You know, I honestly didn't know that other species had these things. I always thought that only humans had Adam's apples. Can't ever remember seeing a Xeno or a Yuta with one. But then I've never really got close enough to look at another dude to look, so maybe, yeah. He said, pressing the release button under his chin now. His helmet split apart and began to shift as it slid down into his collar. Suddenly realised that he couldn't see out of his right eye again. And the surprising heat of the air around it hit him like a slap, instantly causing his sinuses to clog up. Like an instant cold hitting him at once. By these raptorians sure like things warm. Suddenly he was rather glad he didn't have a mirror because he got a feeling of his face looked half as bad as it felt. It probably looked like he tried to stop a charging Xeno Queen using it. The commander moved like a lightning shot forward and grabbed his jaw, which sent a white needles of hot pain firing off throughout his face. Ow! Fuck! Easy, me! yelled in pain. She lifted up his head and he felt her freeze up again. No, no. Not possible. It has to be a trick, a deception, she stammered before she grabbed a handful of his hair and jammed her snout in against his neck, taking a huge lungful of his scent-laden air. She actually began sniffing him like a fucking fire tiger, taking deep huffing breaths of his neck, his face, his hair, everything she could get access to. And just as suddenly she grabbed him, she let go and staggered backwards away from him. Male. He's male. I, I don't understand. What kind of monsters would send their precious males out to fight? She stammered, her face looking like a whole world had just become unravelled right before her eyes. Her eyes were now huge and filled with confusion. One after the other, the other commanders rushed forward and one after the other again grabbed hold of her, steadying it, while others rushed forward and surrounded him, pawing at him, each examining him in the same way the white-scaled one had. And when they let go, they all got the same look of complete shock, confusion and non-understanding written all over their faces. Suddenly one of the capture group slumped to the ground and the others around her grabbed at her and tried to steady her. Male? I... I... Hurt, hurt a male? Great tree, forgive me. She stammered, looking like she was going into shock. Meanwhile, all the translators were looking at him in absolute shock and awe. It was really fucking unsettling because he was beginning to realise that the face they were all wearing was the same face that he'd worn the first time he'd seen Jack Mason and Tick Elleth up close. And boy, it must have made him look dumb. Feeling was starting to come back into his legs now, and with a fair bit of effort, and thanks to the power-assisted movement, he actually managed to get himself back on his feet. Caesar, the white commander said, pointing at the member of the hunting group that was now on her knees. No, please, commander, she didn't know. None of us knew. How could we have known? Even you thought it was a lie. One the others with blood-red scales and orange stripes said in desperation as suddenly more guards flooded the room. These ones all wearing helmets so smoke couldn't see their faces. Doesn't matter. Right now we have evidence of your guilt actually staring us right in the face. Guards, take her to a cell and get medics up here right away. One of the other commanders said in a dark voice. Um, excuse me here, hate to interject. But what's going on? Smoke asked. The white-skilled commander turned and looked at him, her expression softening as he, she did. She's being charged with grievous bodily harm against a male. It's an incredibly serious charge, but given your obvious injuries and prior statements as to how she subdued you by hitting you in the face with a rifle butt, it's a clear-cut case, I think. It's pretty clear she is guilty. I don't know how your people treat such things, but given the utterly unfathomable an actually monstrous act of your females sending their males out to fight. But we Raptorians take things incredibly seriously. Male abuse is not tolerated in the slightest. Mistake or not, the facts are clear. Though a will for action, she injured a male through violent means, she said as the guard pulled the obviously very distressed female to her feet and proceeded to cuff her hands behind her back after relieving her of her weapon. Hey now, don't I get a say in all this? Smoke exclaimed loud enough for all to look at him in surprise, including the female being cuffed. Well, I am the injured party, right? So surely I should actually get a say on whether I want to, I want to press charges or something? He said, moving over towards her on his rubbery legs, which was slowly regaining their solidness. If it wasn't for his power armour, he probably would have looked like a walking pool noodle. 
He stopped right in front of the cuffed woman. She looked up at him with surprise and what she could, he could only assume was hope in her golden eyes. He turned and looked away at the white-skilled commander who looked completely surprised by this. She looked at the other commanders and they quickly huddled up and began conversing so fast that his transmitter broke down again. And then she turned back to him. Well, yes, as the victim of such a heinous crime, it would only be right and fair that you have input on it. So please speak and say your piece, she said, and Smoke nodded. Good. Well, I'd like all charges dropped, please, he said, and all of the commanders' mouths dropped open like someone had just flipped a switch and powered them down. I, I beg your pardon? Another of the commanders, this one with jet black scale, stammered. Well, the way I see it, she was as clueless as you are as of my gender, which obviously seems to me matter a great deal to you. So she didn't assault a male, as you put it. She has simply attacked what she perceived to be a threat to your people. When she hit me, she really didn't know who or what she was hitting. All she saw was a threat. She didn't know I wasn't hunting them to attack them, but was trying to catch up to them to try and introduce myself. I mean, you were just included invaded by both the Scalathor and the Draconis, who, with all intent and purpose, are here to either kill your leadership and enslave your people, or just kill your all if you don't bow down and worship their batshit crazy Darkseed. So, as far as I can see, no crime was committed, only a misunderstanding. Granted, it was a fucking painful misunderstanding, but given what I said was a recipient of undue pain, I should get to decide if punishment is due. And given that she was acting in what she believed as the defence of her people after risking her life to go out there and intact the evaders, all while risking getting eaten alive by the utterly crazy shit you've got wandering around out there. Yeah, I don't want her punished, Smoke said, trying to gesture but given his arms had no feeling it wasn't much more than waving a limp noodle at her. But our law on male abuse is very, very clear, and this is a proven case, not a disputed one. You are indeed a male, which is both equally and very surprising and distressing to us. Alien or not, you are male, and she assaulted you, causing grievous harm to you. She must be punished for this. It is one of our most grievous crimes. Surely you should know this. Are males of your species not protected by your females? The white-skilled commander said. Our laws do not make exceptions based on gender. And before we get into the whole gender debate here, I'm not judging you, and equally I do not wish to be you to judge me and mine. You know nothing of my species, just like I know nothing of yours. Maybe these laws are totally justified, but I'm not of this world. And male or not, if she's being judged by your laws for a total misunderstanding, then let the punishment fit that, not the crime you believe it to be. Until you saw my Adam's apple and smelt what I guess and hope were my pheromones, and not your nurse species with a hair-smelling fetish. How was she to know? It was a misunderstanding, nothing more. I'm sure as a proud Raptorian, if she had known in advance, she would have never struck me, true or not? Smoke said, aiming the question at the females in cuffs. Of course I would not have. No proud Raptorian female would stoop to something as grievous and heinous as male abuse. Only a pathetic, weak female would ever dare lift her hand to a male. She, the cuffed female said, and Smoke nodded. You'd get along well with our Yuju, the girls, I think. They believe as you do. So you see, commanders, a mistake, nothing more. If she must be punished, then let it be for a mistake, nothing more. Personally, I do not wish for her to be punished at all. As you say, I am the victim, so surely that should come for something here. You claim to be honourable, and surely honourable beings would take the plea of the so-called victims into account in such a matter. Smoke said, eyeing them all. The commanders handled up and spoke fast enough to break his translator again. But this time, they were much faster in their decision. When they broke, the commander that approached them was red and yellow. You surprise us yet again, male smoke of the humans. You've made a most convincing argument. So yes, we will defer to your plea on her behalf. But we cannot ignore what is a most heinous crime to our people. So we have decided that Circus Stalker Vippy here and her Surface Stalker Pride will be assigned as your permanent guardians. And if so much as a single on a hair is on your head is harmed while they, you are here, they all will suffer the consequences for it. She said and she turned to the cuffed female in her group. Do you accept these terms, Surface Stalker Vippy? 
she asked, and the female in cuffs turned to look at her comrades, of which one of them stepped forward. This one had odd blue and green patterning on her scales, as well as orange eyes. We do. We will protect the male and ensure no harm comes to him, she said confidently, and Vippy nodded in agreement. Very well, then. Guards release her. Your first order of business will be to take him to the medics, ensure his injuries are properly treated, and he's properly cared for. Then you will come back to the command bunker for a debriefing. There is much to discuss with him. I cannot wait to find out what possible justifications would have for you, is people using males as warriors. To even think of such a thing. Utterly shameful. The commander's nearest to him said, looking at him with a look that was almost pitiful rather than angry. Which in a way made him actually feel angry. But he held his tongue trying to remember this was his diplomatic training here. And he was just as glad that he prescribed to the Jack Mason School of Diplomacy rather than the Tick Aleth one. Otherwise, right now, he'd be trying to pull a golden boot out of her tail hole while the others tried to pull her, put her burning feathers out. The guard unlocked the Raptorian called Vippy's cuffs and released her and she rubbed her wrists as her friends embraced her and quickly checked her over. Both the guards and commanders and the translators filed out of the room, leaving Smoke alone with his new guardians who were checking on the one called Vippy. She shrugged them off, and they turned their attention to him. They moved quickly, really quickly. Their movements were jerky, quick, almost like birds, but at the same time Smoke felt like he was being surrounded by forest wolves or fire tigers. Their eyes were both expressive and intense as they seemed to be appraising him. They tightened ranks, closing into a tight circle all around him and the one called Vippy that he'd just saved from whatever punishment they'd had in store for her, moved in and took hold of his frontal armour with such surprising strength for one so small. She pulled him down to her. Instantly, six sets of two-fingered hands and, th and large thumbs began to lift his hair and head, and they exposed his throat again before instantly releasing him and moving back away from him. The look of surprise was truly etched into all their faces. Y you really are male. By the great tree, how can this be? I hoped that the commanders had made a mistake, but you carry the apple, there can be no doubt. Vippy said her high-pitched voice, and surprised feathers ruffling and pulsing as she spoke. The shimmer of colour passed through her scales, making her almost briefly translucent. Must take him to the medics, he is injured, one of them with green and brown scales said, a flicker of colour passing through hers as well. And Vippy nodded before Smoke could utter a word. All of them seized him from all sides and ushered him out of the same door that the commanders had left by. And before his brain even really had the chance to catch up and comprehend with what he was seeing, he was being led through tunnels carved into the black rock that was shiny and smooth like volcanic gloss. And suddenly Smoke realised that these just weren't tunnels. They were another form of defence. The meagre light that lit them caused reflections upon reflections that made it look like there were thousands of tunnels bouncing off in all directions. It's kind of like a house of mirrors. The Raptorians didn't let go of him for a single second as they steered him through the maze of tunnels. Two of them had hold of his hands, and the others just found things to grab onto on his armour, though funnily enough they were all avoiding his weaponry, obviously having learned their lesson around that. As many questions were firing through his mind as pain through his face, but it was confined to preventing him from asking them. So he decided to keep quiet for the time being. He could hear chitters of Raptorian speaking, being spoken from all around the various tunnels around them, but the distance was too great and the sound too quiet for his translator to lock on and properly translate it. His new chaperones didn't speak the entire way, but they kept shooting glances at him that was a mixture of both curiosity and worry. But eventually they reached a chamber that was brightly lit, and to surprise, carved completely out of the volcanic glass. It was a field hospital. There were various beds that were carved right out of the rock with a mattress laid upon them, along with blankets, as well as machines to monitor the patients that were laid upon them. Fortunately, most of them were empty, but there were a few that were occupied. Each of the occupied beds was surrounded by other Raptorians, obviously their comrades. Suddenly a group of Raptorians dressed in all blue scrubs and white lab coats appeared directly in their path, and all of them looked shocked and curious in equal measure. What's this? One of them asked in a high-pitched whistling voice. 
alien male, calls his kind human, facial injuries caused by myself, possible concussion and maybe worse, Vippy, Vippy said, and instantly each and every one of the doctor group looked at Smoke in shock and then absolutely glared with pure venom at Vippy. A male? You injured a male? One of them spat her feathers bristling and her teeth bared as the anger was obvious. I did not know he was a he when I struck him. I thought he was a Scalathor Draconis, and I thought he was a she, Rippy said, her voice sounding full of shame and embarrassment, her eyes looking down at her three-toed feet as she shuffled nervously. All true, they thought I was attacking them, to be fair. Tried to show them that I was neither Scalathor or Draconis when she struck, pure instinct, and given that I'd been hunting them through the jungle, it was understandable, to be fair. Smoke said, and suddenly he had six very set of eyes upon him. A, a male warrior? And he speaks our language? One of them exclaimed in true shock. Smoke tapped his throat where his suit helmet was retracted. Universe translator, it's translating what I'm saying and vice versa. Smoke said, and suddenly in the blink of an eye they were all around him examining with both their eyes, hands and variety of instruments. I can't get any readings, one of them said. Looking at another who confirmed it with one of her own devices. Oh, that's my armour deflecting your scans. And please be careful with what you touch. It's fitted with anti-tamper and anti-theft security. It will shock you. Smoke said, tapping his chest plate, making it ring slightly. It's true. Please be careful, honoured lifesavers. It bloody well hurts. Vippy said, rubbing her hand in the memory of the shock of it. Then please remove it so we may examine you, one of them said and the others nodded in unison. Smoke looked around at all the curious sets of eyes upon him. Uh, if you don't mind, I'd rather not have an audience. My kind of kind of very private about this sort of thing. Modesty and privacy are kind of big deals for us, Smoke said softly, and all the doctors glanced around at all the other Raptorians in the room, and suddenly they surrounded him like his guardian's hand, and began to manoeuvre him away towards a side room. Hey, we must accompany him. He's under our protection. Vippy exclaimed her voice, angry and defensive, and one of the doctors glared at her. Not in our medical chambers, he's not. And obviously, uh, by his facial injuries, you've done enough damage to this poor male. He's requested privacy for his examination, so shall it be. You will wait here until we are satisfied that he is properly treated, one of the doctors said, and with that, smoke was swept into a side room, and the door closed behind them, leaving Vippy and her group in the main room. They appeared to have led him to a private examination room, complete with a bed. Instantly, the doctor spread out, grabbing little instruments and tools. Um, okay, please, disrobe. Uh, sorry, we didn't get your name or species, one of the doctors said. She had rather pretty yellow and blue scales. My name's Smoke, and I'm human, he replied, suddenly feeling rather nervous. It wasn't like he hadn't been through a medical before. Hell, he'd had female... Xeno battle angels poking him and prodding him before now. He'd been through medicals for injuries he'd picked up during hunter training. So, taking a deep breath, he took his rifle off and placed it on the bed before pressing the release catches, which made his armour unlock and retract, before he began removing it in sections, leaving him in his undersuit. No scales. He has skin and it changes colour. And look, no feathers but fur. Incredible. One of them said, and suddenly they were all around him, as he peeled his undersuit down to his waist. That was as far as he was willing to go, letting it hang down so they could examine his upper half. Please sit down. You are surprisingly large for a male. If you were this large, I cannot imagine how large your females are, the doctor with orange and green scales said, pointing to the bed. Uh, they're actually, for the most part, smaller than we are. Humans are evolved primates, or mammals, if you prefer. So most part, males are actually larger. There's not a huge difference, but there are extremes, obviously. Smoke said, sitting down on the bed, and all of the doctors looked completely amazed at this. Um, if we may ask, where's your pride? Did you get separated them from them? One of the doctors asked as she began to run a small disc-like device over his chest before looking at the results in surprise and showing it to her colleagues. Um, I'm not sure what a pride is, so could you explain it to me? I could possibly explain that, Smoke said, and all the doctors glanced at one another questioningly. Possibly a language issue? 
one of them said, and the others nodded in agreement. Um, a pride is our word for your group. Raptorian prides are usually made up of six to eight females and one male, when they find one. So where is your pride? Another of the doctors asked and spoke, shook his head. Ah, okay, now I understand. The Serpentinus are similar. I understand they call their groups packs, and they're usually a bit smaller than yours. By the sound of it, humans and Yajuta and Xenos don't really work like this. Humans are solitary creatures. We live with a single set of parents until we come of age, and then we're on our own. I guess your race, kind of like the Serpentinus, have differences in your birth rates in the favour of a female-to-male ratio, correct? Smoke said, and they all glanced at each other and one another in amazement and nodded. Yeah, humans aren't like that. Our birth rates are about 50-50, male to female. So our social demographic is one-to-one, really, and very different to yours. Smoke said, and this completely amazed the Raptorian doctors. One male to one female? So every female gets one male each? One of them exclaimed in a stammer, and Smoke smiled and nodded. Can you imagine one male each? Oh, the possibilities, one of them said, and suddenly they all looked rather dreamy and their scales shimmered. They actually seemed to rattle like they were being adjusted. Then they seemed to get a hold of themselves rather quickly and went back to examine him. Uh, Could you remove the lower half of the suit, please? One of them asked, looking up at him with bright purple eyes. Uh, Why? My face and head are injured, not my legs, arse or reproductive organs. Smoke said, questioningly causing them to look at one another. You're the first of your species that we'd have ever met and we'd rather like to study you. The one with purple eyes said and Smoke shook his head. Sorry, doctors, I'm not comfortable with being a lab rat. I don't mind some preliminary examinations, but I didn't have come here to have my anatomy examined in detail. So if you don't mind, I'd rather just have my face fixed and my head sorted. When the rest of my people get here, we've... And we've sorted this mess out with the Scalathorn Draconis. I'm sure our battle angels or our feed surgeons and medic can give you all the anatomical data you could ever wish to study. Just not mine, he said flatly. The doctors looked a little deflated but nodded. The smoke was glad to see that the consent was a big part of their medical methods as well as those of Clan Mason. They produced a perfect X-ray-like scan on a 3D holographic image showing a perfect rendering of Smoke's head. And boy, was it creepy. There's some bruising and swelling to this part of your prefrontal cortex. This would have resulted in a bit of a mild concussion. Caused slight blurred vision, headaches and a few other symptoms. This we should be able to sort out with a nanite injection. Should repair the damage. We will clear your blood and DNA sample to adjust them. The nanites are basically capable of repairing the damaged tissue. Once there, they will move on to the damage in your nasal bone and cheekbones. We will have to reset your nasal bones manually, though. But don't worry, the nanites won't remain in your body for long. They'll infuse themselves into your bones and repair the damage, and any that aren't used up will simply self-destruct, one of the doctors said, pointing to the injury sites on the 3D head. Smoke nodded his consent for this, and they took a couple of vials of his blood from him and they absolutely marvelled at the fact that it was red and based on iron, and it appeared that they had truly incredible DNA sequencing skills. The smoker imagined the process taking hours, just not seconds to minutes. They walked over to a machine that looked like a kind of vending machine filling with glowing silver tubes. They extracted one from the bottom and applied it to another machine, which they told him was a set for encoding the nanites. And once it was done, they placed it into a rather nasty-looking gun. The smoke braced himself. They injected it into his neck. With complete surprise painted on his face, he felt absolutely nothing. Then, with a swift movement, one of them reached up, gripped his face gently, and another stepped in, and with a sickening crunch, she set his nose. And he yelped, more in surprise than pain. This must have triggered some kind of instinct in them, since suddenly he found himself surrounded by all of them. They had both of his hands in theirs and were stroking them, and others were patting his arms and shoulders reassuringly. There, there, it's okay. You'll be okay now. I'm sorry if that hurt. I didn't mean to. I'm sorry. The doctor had set his nose, said softly and apologetically. Er, it's okay. It didn't hurt. It was more of a surprise than anything, Smoke said. It's going to be okay now. 
Oh, you poor thing, you must have been through so much. You're so brave to walk around on the surface like a surface stalker all on your own with no pride to be able to protect you. How utterly horrible. It's okay now, you're safe here, another one of them said in an almost cooing voice. Um, thanks for all your help. Is my treatment complete now? Smoke asked, starting to feel a little weird now. And they all nodded. Yep, good as new. I'm sure your female will be very happy with our handiwork when she finally gets her mail back. One of them said, sounding proud, and Smoke nodded before getting dressed back in his armour quickly again, before he suddenly chuckled to himself, which confused them. Oh, sorry, I'm not laughing at you. Just at what you said was all. I'm not mated to anyone. When I hit 18, I signed a no-consent to hunt form. So I'm single until I left that, he said with a smile, knowing they probably didn't have a bloody clue what he was talking about. But instead of a little laughter and light embarrassment at their wrong assumption like he'd expected them to, they looked absolutely horrified, and instantly one of them rushed out of the room and dragged Vippy and the others into it, which suddenly felt rather cramped with twelve Raptorians and one very confused human jammed into it. But suddenly all of the doctors were pointing at him. They spoke so fast the translator began failing out again, but he did manage to catch the word single and unattached male in what they said, and suddenly Vippy and her group looked absolutely horrified as well. And Vippy looked utterly distraught. Um, not sure what's going on, guys, but I'm fine, honestly. So, shall we get moving so we can speak to the commanders and get this debrief underway? Smoke asked. Instantly, Vippy and her group nodded and surrounded Smoke. Thank you, honoured doctors and life healers. You have our words that he would be properly guarded and protected, and I swear to you that we had no idea he was without pride. We will ensure that he doesn't even get a paper cut. Vippy said, and one of the doctors snorted and glared. See that you don't. We have the records of the damage to his face now, and we will be calling to him to return soon. And if we find anything, well, you know the punishment for harming an unprided male. She said, and they all nodded, and suddenly smoke was surrounded again, and they were off. With Vippy's group glaring daggers at anyone who so much had looked at him funny. Suddenly they were like a very overprotective group of bodyguards. They were grabbing and directing and guiding him. Suddenly made realise they were twice as protective of unattached males as they were of attached males. He sighed heavily. He got the feeling this was going to be a very long debrief. Thank Pyre for painkillers. And apparently nanites. So that was chapter 19, ladies and gentlemen. Will Snoke manage to survive the debrief? Or we get coddled to death? And what will the Raptorians have in store for him in the underground cities? There's only be one way to find out the answer to those questions and so many more. You're going to have to tune in next time. So until next time, this is Ghost Nobody signing off and saying, I'll see you all next time.